every single conversation that you have with another human being can change the trajectory of your life forever. This conversation right here that you and I are having is going to raise our awareness to something. Mm-hmm. And that new awareness will come with a new commitment or a new intention. And, you know, I think that that's kind of what our parents did for us is yeah. they talked to us about it. Yep. Yep. They took the time to have a conversation, a meaningful conversation, not about the weather, not about <laughs> Kim Kardashian's TV show, right. but because like a conversation about life. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Mental Purpose Podcast, where our mission is to elevate, educate, empower, enrich, and evolve men to be on purpose. Why? Well, that's up to you. But in my opinion, I think it's to live the most authentic, fulfilled, and regret-free life possible. That's my opinion. What is it for you? Why do you listen to this show every week or every day? And what do you get from it? Well, you're getting all five of those things because that's my commitment. That's the mission. So you're definitely getting those. But why are you here? Just think about that. And, and the reason I'm pulling that out, and I've never really asked that in an intro, is because this guy today, Alan Lazaros, this dude is switched on. Let me tell you something. Let me be straight up with you. You guys trust me at this point. You know I'm not playing. There are a lot of podcasters that are full of it. A lot of them. They open that mic to hear themselves talk, and it's about them, masked as it's about the, the guest in the audience. You know on this show, it is about the audience, you. And I am just a facilitation. And that guest is just giving info for you to make decisions for your life that serve you or don't serve you, that help you elevate, educate, empower, enrich, and evolve your life for whatever your goal is. And I want to make that real clear because this is a powerhouse episode. And Alan is the real deal. I've been following him for a while. He's got a kick-ass podcast. His business, Next Level University, is awesome. I admire him. I think he's cool. I think he's got his stuff together. He's very authentic. And the guy's going to blow your mind today. Blow your mind today. So we talk for like 55 minutes and it's just deep conversation and gold and bombs of truth and knowledge. And it's awesome. That's it. Right? So we're going to talk about all kinds of stuff. I don't. I can't even get into all of it. <laughs> so many different things we cover, and this dude is so switched on, so smart, and just like like knowledgeable and and authentic and there and available. And he creates that space for you to think about in your life how you can make those changes. He gives really cool, very simple to understand examples, and not that you need simple, but everybody needs simple sometimes because the stuff in transformation is complex and it's deep, and the brain doesn't want to do it because it's scary. But today, it's going to be easy, and you're going to get a lot out of it. So before we get rolling, remember, our free Facebook community, the Men on Purpose community, is doing amazing. We've got, I think like, I don't know, by the time I'm recording this, we've got 112 members, and maybe by the time this comes out, we've got 200 members, you know, thinking abundance. So if you haven't joined, join our free Men on Purpose community, the Men on Purpose community on Facebook. It's awesome. We've got, we've got um, uh, master classes. We've got expert speakers. We've got a book club. We've got little mini uh, purpose pods where you know, a couple guys are meeting and discussing cool topics with each other and areas of expertise and their jobs and their businesses. It's awesome, right? So join that. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, hit it up. iTunes are your favorite place where you listen hit that subscribe button and leave us a review if you'd be so kind. If you want to come to one of our events, 
frontrunner.group. If you need me for coaching or anything like that, ianlobos.com. Hit the apply now button. You'll get a 20-minute call with me. It's free. I don't bite. I promise you I will make sure that I educate you, elevate you, empower, enrich, and evolve you on that call. My promise. All right? Enough is enough. We're going to do this thing with Alan Lazarus. You ready? Here we go. Alan, pleasure to have you here, my friend. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Dude, it's uh, honestly, people ask me this all the time. Why do you have other coaches and podcast hosts on your podcast? And the answer is because the ocean is so damn big that I think that I'll get farther and they'll get farther with cooperation versus competition mindset. Just is what it is. It's abundance for versus sure. scarcity, man. So I've been following your stuff for quite a while. You have a lot of episodes, man, like 650, I think. On next level, 650 something, 680, I don't know, something in the 600s. And, and your brand's impressive. And you're, and you're like, not just the next level you brand, but your brand, like your look, the fitness stuff. Like, I just, I like everything you're doing. And I wanted to bring you on and have you share your story with the audience because I know they'll get something from it. They'll get a lot from it, actually. So kick us off, man. We're, how'd you become you? How'd you become you? Uh, <laughs> that's a, I give you, yeah, right. And First go. of all, thank you. Thank you for, ha- thank you for having me. Thank of you course. for the kind words. Thank you. I've worked very hard to try to get my brand to be as authentic and as me as possible. So yeah. it means the world. Um, I also, let me move this a little bit because I talk with my hands here. Okay. How did I become me? I'll start way, way, way back. Sure. So when I was two years old, my father passed away in a car accident. Mm. He was 28 at the time. And my mom was raising two children on her own, my older sister and myself. And she didn't feel like she had a lot of choices. So I had a stepdad for a time as well. I won't get too far into that. But basically, when I was a very little kid, my mom always taught me this one simple principle that always stuck with me. And as I grow and evolve and change, there's certain principles that actually get even more admiration from me. And this is one of them. She said, Alan, you can be a CEO or you can be a farmer. I'm going to love you either way. If you're a CEO and you aim high, you can wake up one day and decide to be a farmer, but you can't necessarily flip the switch the other way around. She said, Alan, life is about choices. The more I grow, the more I evolve, the more episodes I do, the more I contemplate life, the more and more I realize that that is the one thing that I know for sure is that life is about choices what you say, what you think, what you do, what you feel, what you believe, what you don't say, don't do, don't think, don't feel, don't believe. All choices. Hmm. And what choices you make today are going to create your tomorrow. Sounds simple, but it's every second of every day. So from a very young age, my mom told me that story. She said life's about choices. And then she took a chance on me. So I was really uh, academically inclined. I got all A's and B's, mostly A's in middle school. So fast forward to eighth grade. My mom says, okay, beginning of eighth grade, I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to let you take eighth grade off, not off as in I don't go to school, but off as in like you don't have to try. Just go enjoy yourself. Just have fun. Don't worry about academics. As long as you promise me that you'll choose to get the president's award in high school. The president's award in high school meant you don't get a single B. You basically get a 95 or above GPA out of 100 for all report cards all through high school. So every year there was four report cards, four years of high school. So that's whatever, four times four, 16. Yeah. And so I never once, I got one B plus, it was an 89 in honors 
English, ah. but fortunately my GPA was still above a 95. Yeah. Never nice, took honors nice. English again, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. So, uh, I ended up getting the president's award circle back a little bit. I'm 10 years old and we're driving past WPI Worcester Polytechnic Institute. Um, and she basically, so my uncle Merle was the track and field coach there. They actually, he's since passed and they call it Norcross field, Merle Norcross. So they still call it Mer Norcross field to this day. Oh, wow. But she basically said, Alan, you're really good at math people who are good at math become engineers and they do really well and they have choices. Alan, you should go to WPI. And again, I didn't know this at the time, but what she was doing was she was planting seeds in my heart of like aspiration. She gave me something to aspire to. So again, fast forward, take eighth grade off, crush it in high school. I get into WPI. We're sitting there. It's like 1 AM and we're reviewing, um, I remember it, it was my mom and I sitting next to each other. My computer, my laptop was on my bed and we were reviewing my college essay. I got in, I got into WPI. I go to WPI, I do electrical and computer engineering, uh, which was nothing short of brutal. Um, yeah. I, you know, grew up in a small town of Oxford, Mass. I was eighth in my class, very, very bright. And I went to WPI and I went, oh my God, this is another level. This is another game. And I'm not the brightest one here, not even close. So I failed my first engineering course and that's a whole nother story. But basically I got my electrical and computer engineering degree through massive effort and all-nighters and luckily surrounding myself with the smartest people I could possibly find. I went into corporate America and I realized very quickly that just sitting behind a desk designing circuits was not for me. I went back for my master's in business. Got my master's in business and then I went into corporate. I did a lot of job hopping. I worked for a company called Oz Development. I started a little company with my college friends called Campus Libre for a time. I worked for um, what used to be Texas Instruments. I worked for iRobot. I worked for Sensata Technologies. Again, used to be Texas. I worked for uh, a company called Cognex. I eventually landed at. So here I am at Cognex and I'm an inside sales engineer for an industrial automation uh, company that's rapidly growing. I think at the time they were growing 30% year over year. So it was crazy expansion. I started an inside sales team there with a buddy of mine, his name's Charlie. And I ended up bringing a lot of my WPI friends there, referral bonuses, awesome, awesome, awesome. I get promoted to outside sales. So I'm in outside sales and I'm managing all of Western New England. So Vermont, all of Connecticut and a lot of Western Massachusetts. And I'm, I think 22 or 23 or 24 at the time. And I am up in New Hampshire with my little cousin. I might actually have been 25 actually now that I think about it, but I'm doing really well, you know, well over six figures, young, you know, tons of friends, all that. Great, great, great. I'm up in New Hampshire and I was playing Call of Duty with my cousin. He's 17 years old and it's, I think a Friday night. And this is one of those really bad winters. I believe this is the winter in 2016. Oh, yeah. And we decide to go to TGI Fridays. And I'm up in New Hampshire, and there's this fork in the road. The road I thought stayed right, but it actually stayed left. And this was when the winter was so bad in New England that literally, and it, he lives in New Hampshire, by the way, where literally the snow was above the signs on the snowbanks. Cool. Wow. And so the yield sign wasn't there. And I, again, full responsibility. I thought the road stayed right. It didn't it stayed left. I end up on the wrong side of the road, looking down at the GPS. I look up and I see the brightest light, brightest lights I'd ever seen. Now for anyone listening right now, who's ever had a life or death scenario or a life or death situation, it's like, it's inexplicable if you haven't, 
if you have had that moment, it, I had this moment of like, this is the end. This is it for me. There's no way I survive this. And it happens so fast. And it's a, a moment of like, not to mention a bright light of just like, oh my God. And it, it almost happens in slow motion, even though afterwards it was like a split second, what just happened. So fortunately, I was driving a 2004 Volkswagen Passat, which I used to call the tank. I yeah. would tell all my friends it's a tank. It was like a really steel trap car, very heavy car. Both airbags do deploy. My little cousin hurts his knee. I hurt my face on the airbag. The car's totaled. In my speeches, I normally show the car completely totaled, smashed in completely. Later that night, fortunately, we're okay, but I'm still rattled. I'm messed up because, again, circle back. My father, when he was, was 28, say, trauma. passed away in a car accident. Yeah. Car accident when he was 28. So I'm 26 at the time. And... For my little cousin, he was already tweeting about it. He had that like 17-year-old invincibility thing. I yeah. was like contemplating my entire life. I was sitting in an armchair drinking whiskey, just questioning absolutely everything because I had achieved everything that I thought success was. I had a gorgeous girlfriend at the time. Her name was Courtney. Beautiful. Very sweet. I had tons of high school friends. I had tons of college friends. I had a bunch of corporate friends. I had well over six-figure income. I was completely out of debt. You know, I had all of what I thought would make me happy. I had all of what I thought I wanted to achieve. And I wanted, my dream at that time was to become a Fortune 50 CEO like my hero, Steve Jobs. But after that car accident, I just sat there in that chair and I was just like completely devastated. I, I questioned everything and I was just filled with regret. So this is kind of the quote that I now live by which is you cannot see the stars during the day. They're always there, but sometimes it takes the darkness to see clearly that which you simply could not within the light. So all of my listeners know this. I always carry this, this uh, true north around my neck. And if, if anyone's watching the video, you can see it here. It's, it's a north star, brightest light in the, in the sky, and it's a guide. When you're in the dark, you're able to see something you never saw before. And so I was in the dark and I noticed two things. I was filled with all this regret. After that, I noticed Tony Robbins' TED Talk. I forget who suggested it, but I found it. And if you haven't listened to it, you owe it to yourself to listen to it. Best TED Talk of all time, in my opinion. Second thing, and more importantly, I noticed a book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying by a woman named Bronnie Ware. Bronnie Ware, I've since interviewed, and uh, she's from Australia. She's an Australian woman who worked in hospice for eight years and she thought that her job was to take care of the terminally ill. These are all people who were terminally ill, but her real job was to listen. And they all, over the eight years, she noticed these common patterns of regret of, I wish, I wish, I wish. To this day, I have a flashcard in my pocket that has all five regrets. Oh, the yeah. number one regret of the dying is I wish I had lived a life true to myself yep. and not what others expected of me. And that's really the, the way that I became who I am today is after that car accident at 26, I just went all, put it this way, I completely took away anything of needing approval from other people, hmm. gone, literally gone. And I mean, that was a process, don't get me wrong, but it, it, I, that was my goal is like inner compass, my own true north, my own goals and dreams, like because that was the regret I was flooded with is did I really become the man I wanted to be? Did I really chase 
the dreams that I had in my own heart? Did I really do what I was meant to do? And so how did I become the man that I am today? Six years later, I'm 32 now. That, that car accident happened actually at 26, not 25. And that's six years of going absolutely all in on maximizing my own potential, on personal development and self-improvement, and helping others do the same. And so now we have Next Level U, and the mission at Next Level U is to put self-improvement in everyone's pocket every single day. We do seven episodes a week from anywhere on the planet completely free in terms of health, wealth, and love. And that's what I'm all in on. I want to bring personal development to the masses. I want to bring self-improvement to everyone that is willing and able because when I was growing up, man, I, we talked a lot about equal opportunity. Fortunately, I had scholarships and I remember at one point we were so poor that I had free lunch at school, but I got scholarships and I did well academically and I got financial aid. If I didn't, I don't know who I'd have been. And so now it's like, there's someone out there right now who's in the slums who might have amazing talent and amazing op- like abilities, but they don't have the opportunity because they don't have the education. Yeah. And so I wanted, as long as they have a phone and an internet connection, they, they have now self-improvement in their pocket. And so that's, that's who, how I became who I am today. And I leave and live and breathe from that place every day now. So awesome, dude. That's so awesome. You know, there, there's a, there's such admiration in that mission because that's the mission that I'm on. And I was, uh, you know, I ran my dad's shipping company and, and, and I was a real estate agent, very high level real estate agent for a long time. And there, there, there was checks in that. There was f- some fulfillment, more like financial fulfillment in that. But it wasn't, it wasn't tugging at my heartstrings. It was actually making me angry. And the anger wasn't that I hated what I was doing. The anger was that I was wasting time not doing what I was supposed to be doing. Right. And so dialing in my mission and my vision and my purpose for my life, like over and over and over again, and running my coaching business, it was clear, you know, like which one do you get actual heart fulfillment from? And it's coaching and it's, it's helping other people live the best version and life that they can. And so we share that, we share that for sure. And it's interesting because I found my passion within this, right? I found my passion within the coaching business. I liked coaching. I was very fulfilled by it. And I saw the mission expand and the passion ignite within this. And then the podcast came along years later, which was like, you know, a year and a half ago. And my passion was found in that. I was already podcasting. I was already podcasting for the last couple of years and found the passion within this type of podcasting where we're talking about personal growth and development. And we're talking about owning your mission and finding your purpose and like living to the best, you know, most authentic version of you. It's so cool. It's, it's awesome that we share that, you know what I mean? And I, and I can understand what you're experiencing. I mean, you have a a different company level that I do, but it's still, it's still, it's still the dedication to the craft and to the people listening. That's what we were talking about before we started recording this podcast. I don't look at the numbers. I don't know what our downloads are. But I know that we're a top 1% in the world because my friends call me and go, how the hell, what the hell, what are you doing? And I said, I told you, you guys all were the naysayers. You said to me, make sure you focus on the numbers, the downloads, the numbers, the numbers, the numbers, get ads, get sponsorship. And I said, I'll focus on the mission and the message and the success will come. And it did. And that's the same thing you did. And I'm sure you might look at your numbers, but 
you have a very specific mission and message and I've watched a lot of your stuff and, and I have alerts every time your stuff pops up on Instagram, like pops up in my screen. I watch it. I love what you guys are doing. So I want to go back to some things for a second and I want to get some detail because my dad was like this. Um, when your mom said to you, like this year you can take off, like do you, be you, go have fun, go have experiences. Did you understand it at that point? Like in eighth grade, did you understand that, what she meant by that? Or were you just like, cool, no school, whatever. I don't have to, I don't have to hustle. I don't have to grind and study. And like, what, what were you thinking at that time? It's an interesting question. No one's ever asked me that before. Yeah. Did I understand it? The answer is, is yes and no always. But um, from, from a 32-year-old lens, no, I didn't fully understand it. <laughs> uh, but back then, I thought I did. Yeah, totally. And the truth of the matter is I didn't understand the, the implications of something like that. And yeah. that's that, that idea of letting me choose and then having me make that promise to her and that idea of aiming high too. It, the aiming high thing, even if you never get there, is so important. Mm -hmm. Big time. And there's tons of neuroscience to back this up. We interviewed someone named Stephen Kotler and he basically breaks down the neuroscience of why going big is actually good for you and why staying small is actually not good for you. It's like psychologically and or emotionally or what, what, what all of that, all of that, yeah. all of that. Yeah. So, so what he basically says from an evolutionary perspective is that we are designed to go big. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you an example. Yep. So fitness, right? Let's say, let's say someone has a goal to kind of, their goal is, uh, I want to get in a little bit better shape. Okay. There's not that much purpose behind that. Yeah. There's yeah. not that much ambition and, and aspiration behind that. Like getting in a little bit of better shape isn't exciting. It's not going to ignite your, your passion versus someone who's like, I want to compete at the highest level that I can in this sport. See, it's a part of something bigger than themselves. It's something that inspires others. It's something that lights, lights your soul on fire. And it's something that, really challenges you every single day. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that that's really what he's trying to say is that we seek comfort as human beings, but what actually fulfills us is challenge, the right kind of challenge. Yeah. Um, but yeah. to answer your original question, no, I didn't fully understand it back then, but I do think that I understood it probably more than a, than a normal kid might have. And yeah because she always explained things to me so thoroughly. She always kind of like lectured me and not in a bad way, but she always explained everything to me. And now in hindsight, I mean, my mom and I's relationship is great, but like she can only explain things to the extent she understands them. Of course. You know, of course. And, and, and now it's, I'm explaining things to her, her yeah. you know, which is really, it's really kind of cool. So, but isn't that a cool dichotomy or juxtaposition or whatever you want to call it? My dad did that to me when I went off to college. I said, dad, why, why are you, why are you paying for this? Like, I'm going to, I want to work for you. I don't want to get a job. I don't need this. And he said, look, and my dad was, you know, running his shipping company. He said, society says you need this piece of paper. I'm paying for it. So go do your thing. And before I left for college, like we were driving up, uh, before we drove up, I remember him saying to me, look, I know that you can get straight A's. You're a really intelligent dude, but I know that's probably not the best thing for you. Because I know that you'll probably miss out on a lot of things that you, that you shouldn't miss out on. 
to get good grades because you're right. You're not going to go get a job. You're never going to have a job. You come from a seven generations of entrepreneurs. That's your path. I've taught you to always never write a resume and, you know, never punch a clock and never sit in a cubicle and like, that's cool. My dad did the same thing to me though, that your mom did. He, he lectured me and, and gave me as much info for me to be able to make good decisions or, or a decision in the best light that served me the best. And so like being right. 17 years old, 18 years old and being able to say, you know, this isn't like a free for all, get crazy party. This is like, what, what kind of experiences are out there besides just grades to get a good job? And, you know, I traveled around the world and I had these amazing things that I still have today in my 38-year-old brain and my 38-year-old environment that I don't think he understood the value of that, of that lesson, of that, right. um, not lesson, but, uh, but freedom uh, to choose. And you talked about a lot, you talked a lot about choice and freedom of choice and making choices. And at every moment you have a choice. Right. Yesterday, I was talking to somebody. I did a video on Facebook about at every intersection, which is a choice. It could be every moment. It could be every 10 years. It could be every millisecond. It doesn't matter. Like You come up to a stop sign, and you can go left, which is around the circle, a vicious cycle. And it's like comfort land. Like There's gas stations and restaurants. and Everything's cool. It's very well lit and very safe. There's no crime there. But then you could also go right, which is like this deep, dark woods. No light, nothing there. And your brain is kind of intrigued. But the other side of your brain is like, F that, man. It's really scary in there. I have no idea. There's uncertainty. There's unpredictability. There's probably a monster and tigers. But at that moment in, in your brain, you say to yourself, you know, I'm kind of intrigued. And instead of just going left and continuing that vicious cycle, why don't I ask myself some questions like, who can I go to? Where can I go to find more information? Who can guide me? Is there a mentor, a coach, a person out there that can lead me? But that's what, that's what you're doing. You built this next level university to be that, that person at that intersection that says, hey, no, I got you. You want to go right? I got you. I've been through those dark woods. It's not as scary as you think. One, I have a light. Two, I have a gun. So if there's tigers that pop out, I'll shoot them for you. Just follow my lead and I got you. Like, wouldn't you say that's right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Our, Very well articulated. Our, our parents yeah. did that for us. They did that for yeah. us in those statements. And, and that is that is so powerful it's beyond recognition because you don't know the variables that were um that weren't there the limitations that would have been there we can imagine but who would we have been if both like your mom and my dad said better get those straight a's every year or you're in trouble because i watched those yeah. kids I mean, you probably saw those kids in high in high school and college oh, oh yeah racking their brains and, and like literally killing themselves. You know, suicide was rampant in, in like the mid-2000s when I was in college. Rampant because these kids had so much pressure to perform and to succeed. Like, I feel so blessed that that conversation was had with me that I didn't feel so stressed to just impress my parents or just impress the employer or the resume, you know, the resume reviewer. Ian, the, the fascinating thing is that this conversation wouldn't even be happening mm -hmm. if it wasn't for that crossroad. Totally. And the fact that they explained that life is about choices and then let us make our own choice, I think that's the thing that yeah. was so valuable. Instead of you have to do this, you yeah. get to choose and encouraging the choice. Because I saw so many people that went down a road that they didn't 
really necessarily want, but they did it because that's what their parents approved of or their grandparents approved of or whatever. And at the end of the day, that's never going to fulfill you. No. It might make you comfortable. It might make you quote unquote happy. It's certainly going to be quote unquote pleasurable. Like eating Oreos is pleasurable, but it's not fulfilling. It's not fulfilling. Right. (laughs) Um, And that's... I, I used to have a podcast prior to Next Level U way before Kevin and I got together called Conversations Change Lives. Yeah. Every single conversation that you have with another human being can change the trajectory of your life forever. This conversation right here that you and I are having is going to raise our awareness to something. Mm-hmm. And that new awareness will come with a new commitment or a new intention. And, you know, I think that that's kind of what our parents did for us is yeah. they talked to us about it. Yep. Yep. They took the time to have a conversation, a meaningful conversation, not about the weather, not about <laughs> Kim Kardashian's TV show, right. but because like a conversation about life. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you know this as well as I do, and, and I don't want to be mean to anybody, but like some people plan their vacations more than they plan their life. Yeah. Huh. Totally. And, and a lot of people don't have their future well designed. Mm-hmm. And I understand. Cause it's like in their head, I think it's like, well, I don't want to be pigeonholed. It's like, well, you can let it evolve. Totally. totally. You know, I'm 32. I, I have a plan. I have a design for 40. I have a design for 50. I have a design for 60, but those, those, those visions will evolve as I do. Yeah. They're um, fluid. So to, they're fluid. Yeah. They're completely fluid. You have an idea of what you'd like, but maybe in five years it changed. Do you have kids? Uh, not yet. Okay. So kids change things. And, and I know a lot, of, I know it sounds kind of cliche and, and everybody used to tell me that before I had kids, but they do change things. And my, my daughter, I, I wrote something the other day about her, her preschool graduation, which seems inconsequential, but it's not. And, uh, and I, I think about who I wanted to be before she was born and the trajectory that I was on, which was very doing based, not being based. It was very, systematic and monetary and financial and success and power and all that stuff. And so when she came along and my wife, after, after a year and after her first year on this planet, my wife gave me an ultimatum, which was get your stuff together or I'm out with her and I'm taking her. And then basically dropped this line, which a lot of people hear me talk about all the time. Cause it was a very pivotal moment in my life, which was, are you the measure of a man that you want your daughter to attract into her life one day? If she chooses right? So we're not pigeonholing her into saying like, you have to attract a man into your life. Like if she chooses a man or a woman or whoever, are you the model of that other, of the other person? Right. And I broke down and I said, I'm not, I'm, I'm absolutely not. And the journey began there, but the journey for being began there. But I also had to figure out how to keep doing at the level that I was doing because that's what I wanted to do. And I thought that by 30, I would be a millionaire and retired. And then by 35, and I would be this. And then by 40, I'd be this. And, and that stuff happened and then, also, and then went away. And I had to start over at 29 and build my real estate business. But I was hiding behind so many things, so much pain and fear that I had had when I was a kid, self-imposed, school-imposed, society-imposed, parents-imposed, not on purpose, just that's what they, that's who they were. That's that's what they knew. And, um, and it's interesting because I got choices when I was a kid. I got choices. My, my mom didn't give me a lot of choices. It was, this is how you do this, or I won't do something for you. It was very conditional. 
But my dad would yeah. say to me, all right, cool. Listen, I'll give you a couple options here. You make the best one for you. If you make a mistake, that's on you. But if you, if you don't learn from it, that's really on you. And on me, because I didn't teach you how to learn from your failures. And then right. he would let me go. And then he wouldn't be pissed off if I made a bad choice or a non-serving choice or if I messed something up or if I broke something or cost him some money. He'd just go, all right, cool. Let's review, let's review your lesson. Let's review your failure. Okay, what do you do next time? Cool, let's roll. And then we keep going. But most parents will never, ever have that conversation with their children because they've never had that conversation with themselves. And they've never agreed or made a commitment to do the work on themselves to actually grow into the parent that they truly want to be. That's not their parents. They're just taking the programming. That's it. They're just taking that. I said, look, my parents did some great and they didn't do some great. I want to take the great and I want to evolve the rest. And that's the type same. of parent that I became, right? Same, I know you be, you're going to be the same parent. Take the great, evolve the rest. Yeah, evolve yeah. the rest. Yeah. I want to try to give your listeners a, a little gift here. I felt compelled sure. with what the thread of this conversation. If you're out there listening right now, there's this framework that's so simple that changed the game for me. It's the villain, the victim, the hero, and the guide. And everything that Ian and I have been talking about up to this point, you'll be able to see it from this new lens that will help you understand where you are and how to get to where you want to be. So every single movie out there, there's a reason movies inspire us because we see ourselves within them. There's a villain, there's a victim, there's a hero and a guide. And I'll use Titanic because it's one of the most popular movies of all time and everyone kind of knows it, so it's relatable. All right, so the villain in that movie is Cal, the, the guy that she's married to. Yeah. Um, who like basically saying Picasso won't amount to anything. He's the rich, arrogant one, that guy. Yep. Um, yep. The victim is Kate Winslet's character, which is the woman who's stuck in a marriage she doesn't want to be in, is told you have to be this, and is not given any of her own choices because her, her dad had passed away and left them nothing but debt, right? And so her mom is kind of the semi-villain too of like keeping her in that, in yeah. that marriage that she doesn't want to be in. Now, the guide we know is Leonardo DiCaprio's character. When, when the victim gets, gets to that rock bottom moment of not wanting to be the victim of the villain anymore, she goes to the back of the boat. She wants to kill herself. And on the back of the boat, the guide shows up and says, hey, by the way, I'm, I grew up in Wisconsin. That's going to be not just killing yourself. It's going to hurt like hell. Yeah. So he tries to get her over the other end of the boat. Like, please don't kill yourself. Okay. That was her call to action. Don't kill yourself. You can, still, you can still do better. So, But what's interesting is that Kate Winslet's character stayed the victim for actually quite a few calls to action that she denied. Like Leonardo DiCaprio, um, when she went to thank him and he, he asked her, hey, do you love the guy? Do you love him? And she's like, you're rude. Like, you can't ask me this question. Like, she defends herself. And he's like, it's, not, it's an easy question. Do you love the guy or not? <laughs> right? And that's another call to action that she denies. She goes back to the regular life. They go to dinner. Um, after, after party, she answers the call. She goes down to that party um, with Leo. Like a real party? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. The, uh, the, uh, you're good. The, um, the, the, the third class steerage party. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's when she's finally herself. So, okay, she's at the steerage party. She's finally being her real self, her authentic self. Because she's not suppressed by the villain. She goes back, talks to her mom. Her mom says, we don't have a lot of choices. Like, 
you are not to see that man again, blah, blah, blah. Leonardo DiCaprio says, you know, I don't want that fire, that fire that I love so much to be, you're trapped, Rose. He's like, you're trapped. You got to get out. I get it. I know how the life works. I got 10 bucks in my pocket. Like I've got nothing to offer you, but I know you're unhappy and you should come with me. She says, no, I can't. I'm fine. She goes, she sees a little girl and how properly she's putting her napkin in her lap and eating dinner. And she just sees her whole life flash before her eyes of like, I've always been taught to be this certain way. That's not really me. Yeah. And then she goes to the front of the boat with Leonardo DiCaprio. And we all know that scene with them on the front of the boat yeah. kissing. That's when the victim finally became the hero. Hmm. That's the moment that the guide finally got through. Yeah. I just got the chills. So my car yeah, accident, too. my car accident, did you? Good. That, that my car accident was my rock bottom moment where I finally answered the guide, my own inner guide. And I found Tony Robbins' TED Talk and Bronnie Ware's book. Yep. Again, guides. Yep. So if you're out there now listening, are you the victim? Are you the villain? Are you the hero or are you the guide? And by the way, we've all been all four. Yeah. I used to have an alcohol challenge, an alcohol problem. And I finally decided to quit drinking and it took me five years. And now I'm over two years sober. Nice. It took me five years of falling off and then getting back on and falling off and getting back on. But I finally answered the call to, to quit and to break the cycle of what I grew up in. And so if you're out there right now, if you're the victim or the villain or the hero or the guide, you got to identify where you're at. And we're kind of all, all four, right? There's an area of your life where you're probably the villain. Maybe you're being unkind in a certain area. Maybe you're not being as virtuous as you could. Maybe you have that vice or that addiction that's affecting your family or affecting the people around you because you're in a negative state, okay? Maybe you're the victim. Maybe someone in your life is, is suppressing you. Maybe, they, maybe they're judging you. Maybe they're attacking you. Maybe they won't, they're not supporting your goals and dreams. Okay? You're the hero in something. Right now, you're struggling to get through something. That's the hero, the struggle bus. I always say the, the party bus leads to mediocrity. <laughs> yeah. And the struggle, the struggle bus leads to greatness. But on the That's struggle bus, one, you need a guide. I, I like that. I like that. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, I, I, I played on the party bus for a time and I realized it, it, it was headed towards mediocrity. So anyways, now I'm on the struggle bus permanently, but now I have guides on the bus. I have coaches and I have mentors and I have people that have been through it. And so if you're out there right now, where are you the victim? Where are you the villain? Where are you the hero and where are you the guide? And are you, are you, are, if you're the villain, identify why and, and try to work on it. If you're the victim, identify the villain and, and ask yourself, who's a guide that I can reach out to? If you're the hero, keep going, keep trucking. That light is at the end of the tunnel. And if you're the guide, good for you because you're helping other people and you're inspiring other people. And, and again, we're all all four because we're all human. No one's perfect. The question is, are you identifying those parts of yourselves and what areas of your life? Maybe you're the hero in the gym right now and you're getting after it. Maybe you're the guide in the gym and you're a personal trainer and you're helping other people get after it. Maybe you're the villain right now because you're drinking too much and too often and you're, you're neglecting your family, right? Just figure out who you are in which of those categories and what areas and then what you can do about it. I wish I had my, my, uh, my roadcaster board. I'd, I'd hit the little applause button, dude. That was, that was such a cool explanation. <laughs> it really was. I've never heard it put like that. So succinct and clear and just available. What, do you think that people have to go through rock bottom 
to make that transition. I mean, I have, you have, I mean, and, and what is rock bottom, right? It's just, it's a, uh, it's a personal identification really is whatever your rock bottom is, wherever you feel like, okay, I, I can't go any lower than this. I feel like I'm going to die it, lower than this is death. It's like the bed of spikes that you're about to fall on. So do you have to go through the ultimate, you know, down to springboard up? Or is there a way to kind of catch yourself on the way down? Because frankly, you know, like that, like the person you talked about that was, you know, drinking and not in the gym and blaming other people. Like it doesn't have to be that bad, but it also, it also, that could be your thing. You don't have to get to a point where you blow your mortgage money on booze and gambling and hookers or something, you know, create whatever you, whatever the rock bottom is for that person end up in a, a gutter in Atlantic city. That's not rock bottom. It doesn't have to be that. What is it that can, can change the trajectory of someone so drastically without having to hit that curb with their head, literally, that can get them to a forward progression of, of growth and transformation? Great question. Philosophical. Absolutely adore that question. Uh, the answer is proactivity. Yeah. It's, it's being proactive and, and identifying in advance the rock bottom and being proactive about it. So for example, and I do this, that's actually what coaching is. That's what my coaching is. So I'll ask my questions all the time. Where are you chasing pleasure at the expense of your own fulfillment? Every single person listening right now, if they asked that question, they would have an answer. For me, I'm not getting to bed on time. I'm staying up a little later than I want and I'm eating a little more than I, than I want to based on my cut right now, which means I'm getting up a little later, which also means that I'm not having as good a morning and which also means I'm not serving at my greatest level and my workouts are suffering, right? So no one is perfect. And the question is, are you proactively asking the tough questions? I call it identify, rectify. Your question was, do you have to hit rock bottom? The answer is absolutely not. What yeah. you have to do is identify in advance the rock bottom that you're going to hit if you stay on this trajectory and then rectify it in advance. What I will say though, is that pain is usually the catalyst for change. You know, we usually don't get a haircut until we actually have to. We usually don't go to the doctor until we're sick. We usually don't, you know, um, fix our relationship until we notice, at least notice that it's not going well. But Emilia and I, in, our, in my relationship, we have check-ins every single week and we ask these questions. One of the questions I'll just, this is a perfect example, okay? And this is what humility really is. Humility, in my opinion, is not like, like self-deprecating or, or like external modesty. I think it's, it's taking the actions in advance, knowing that, that you need to be proactive and that you're not going to be perfect. So in my relationship with Emilia, I want to hit the guardrail long before it's rock bottom. Yeah. We, we, we do relationship coaching, all that. One of the check-in questions is this. Tell me that this isn't a way to identify something and then rectify it. Okay, I ask her every single week, is there anything about me, my character, or our relationship that kind of bothers you, even though you wish it didn't, it still sort of does? See, that gives her full permission to identify any of the bugs in the garden before they take the garden. Yeah. Rock bottom is, is like a garden that you've cultivated for a month and then you let it rot all summer. And then yeah. you wonder why you have no fruit at the end of the, the season. That's rock bottom. Yeah. So instead cultivate the garden for a month 
and then keep cultivating it and keep checking in to make sure the pesky bugs aren't taking the garden. Fitness, everyone out there could do a little better. Relationship, everyone out there could do a little better. Finance, everyone could do a little better. The question is, are you? Yeah. And so there's this, this idea of, to answer your original question, being proactive. Your question was this. Do you have to hit rock bottom to change? No. But most people do hit rock bottom before they change. I will admit that. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. But no, you don't have proactivity is the answer. Yep. Here's, here's how you get proactive. It's called the aggregation of marginal gains. When we hit 600 episodes, I did the math once. I put $1,000 into a financial calculator and I had it in, increase by 1% over 600 days. And it came out to $384,000. So I said, Kevin, assuming we got 1% better each time we did the show. Yeah. Which I think we did because we were terrible. No. <laughs> everybody, um, was. <laughs> everybody was right. We got 384 times better. Yeah. So no, you don't have to have to hit rock bottom in order to change. What you can do is try to get 1% better every single day in the areas that matter to you. And as long as you stay on that train, and that's going to take radical humility. The moment you think you don't have to improve is the moment you start decaying and degrading. Think of a home. I buy a $200,000 home. If, if you know, we'll, we'll do this, half a million dollar home. If I don't clean the closets and I don't check for maggots and I don't redo the roof and I don't clean the basement and I, of course it's going to depreciate in value. Yeah, rot. Of course it's going to eventually collapse. Yeah. That's what our lives are like. Either you're cleaning out your closets and you're redoing the kitchen and you're landscaping and you're, you're making sure there's no bugs taking the house or you're the other way. You're either constructing or you're allowing decay and rot to come in. And that's the same for our life. And that's why some people have a physical, mental, and emotional, spiritual well-being at a, a $2 million home. Yep. There's a reason. Everyone gets what a $2 million home, you were in real estate. $2 million home looks a little different than a $200,000 home, right? Unless you're in LA. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unless you're in LA, yeah. in which case the $200,000 home is the $2 million home. Mm -hmm. But what's the difference? It was very well taken care of. It was very well kept. It got better over time, not worse. It got more valuable over time, not less valuable. And yeah. I think that our life is like that too. So again, to answer your original question, you do not have to hit rock bottom in order to improve. You just have to be proactive. That's a great point, man. And you're right so many people have to hit rock bottom because I mean, for me, it was like, it was self-induced. It was totally self-induced. Not that I said, I can't wait to hit rock bottom. Let me just keep doing destructive things. But I wasn't saying, let me get myself some help because this doesn't feel normal. This doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel like aligned. This doesn't feel right. And like my wife and I do the same thing. Um, and I'm going to give the audience my example because yours is, yours is brilliant. I, I love those questions. They're very powerful. And what we equate, we, we stress test our relationship daily. Every day, we stress test the relationship. And what I equate it to is when you build a bicycle bridge, most bicycle bridges, they're made with like big timber or steel. You could probably drive a car over it maybe once in a while. 
bikes going over it, that thing will never flex. You don't, you don't really have to, you don't really have to check on it. It doesn't flex at all unless you have like a mob of people on it. So the likelihood of a mob of people on it, probably really unlikely. So you're not checking bolts in the little like corners and looking for little stress cracks in the steel. But then you say, all right, cool. We're going to open it up to cars uh, every Sunday for one hour. Okay. You can see it flex a little bit. All right. Hey, we should probably start checking on this thing a little bit more, right? The first one is like surface level. It's like most relationships out there. We all know those relationships. And if you're listening saying that's not mine, it's probably yours. Like it's probably you. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're really pushing yeah. and you're asking your, your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband and wife, you know, your partner, uh, these, these really in-depth questions and being really open with your communication and, and, and vulnerable. So now the cars are starting to flex. And when the cars are done, the guy goes under and goes, it's fine. But eventually it's going to wear out. Eventually it's going to wear out. That's your relationship. That's stress. That's kids coming along. That's a, a job of money issues. It's, it's a, a parent passing away or whatever it might be. Something, something big, but not like, holy shit, devastating. Like, whoa. Then all of a sudden, one day, a train comes across that bridge. And there's no holding that train back. And it decimates that bridge. Because you, you couldn't do anything about it. Right, you can you you should be checking the underside of the welds, not just the stuff when you stick your hand your head over. The train will decimate it. The train is a major life event, like traumatic life event. You are not recovering from that. Most of the clients that we have in our coaching business that uh, were on the brink of divorce is because something big happened, and they had no foundation. They had nothing to hold back that train. Nothing could hold back that train. So they didn't reinforce the bridge. They knew the train was coming, that one day the train was going to be here and it would smash that bridge into oblivion. They never, ever, ever took the precautions to learn better habits with communication, to ask their spouse that question, to talk about the sexual things that they've been holding back on, like talk about the money stuff. I mean, how many people in relationships, we know they've been married for 10 plus years, that one person does not know how much money is made in the household, that where the money is, how much oh, so retirement's many. there, right? And uh, too many. So many. So when big things come along, and, and I'll give you the example, my uh, two years ago, we had a, a business partner steal a lot of money. Again, people have heard this before on this podcast. We had a business partner steal a lot of money to the tune of half a million dollars plus. When I thought about Sorry, coming, dude, I'm going to tell you right now, we are having this conversation. This podcast is where it is. I'm who I am. My relationship is what it is. Myself as a father, myself as a business owner is because of that situation. Because mm -hmm. of that. Because of who I became from, the choices I made from that situation. Right? Just like we were talking about earlier. Wow. So when I sat in my car crying after looking at, going to Bank of America and finding out all the, all the money was gone, plus fake deeds of trust on things, I called my dad and I was like, what do I do? And he goes, best piece of advice I'm ever going to give you. You let it go. And I'm like, let it go. What do you talk? Dad, how am I going to pay for this? He goes, well, you're fortunate enough that you had that kind of money. Like you're going to pay for it out of your pocket. And you're going to learn a very valuable lesson about trust. Now go home to the person that you trust the most in this world, because the person that you didn't trust just screwed you over. Now go home to the person that you trust most in this world and be honest with her. Because if you have built your relationship, right? It's the bridge is going to withstand the train. And it did. And it shook and it flexed. But like I came home and I said, I got to tell you something. And she just looked at me and she said, 
you got a plan? And I said, I got a plan. I'll get us out of this. I'll figure it out. And she goes, I trust that you will. And that was it. No shit. And the train was across the bridge. But how many relationships would be crushed into oblivion if the husband came home and said, hey, you know that business part we had? Yeah, he stole like half a million bucks and uh, I don't know what we're going to do. Done. Trust over. Relationship over. Communication shut. Like done. So what you're talking about, what I'm talking about is make the choices to advance yourself. That 1% every day. Like that's such a great thing. And thinking about it like with that 10,000 foot view of, you know, five years out or, you know, a year out. That's what you are. You're 1% better. You are going to suck day one. It's a given. Go back and listen to, go back and listen to real estate rock stars radio episodes, like 700 something. When I, I became the host, I was terrible. I was horrible, man. Horrible. Go back and listen to mental purpose podcast from June of last year. When I started, when I started doing the episodes, like, after I bought the podcast, they're not like today. They're just not because I got off the, the, the interview and I was like, I'll, I'll do this next time, this next time, this next time, and then leveled up. Right. And then this, 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 and then leveled up. So dude, this is, uh, I cannot believe that that much time has flown by. <laughs> oh my God. Crazy. Yeah. We've yeah. been in flow. It's been excellent. Yeah. I love it, man. So look, let's, let's wrap. I want to be respectful of your time. This, um, this has been a real pleasure. You know, in the words of Matthew McConaughey, be less impressed and more involved. I'm still impressed mm-hmm. by you, man. Like, I admire you. I think you're awesome. I think you're doing such great stuff for the world. But I, I want to be involved with what you got going on. And I want to I collaborate. And I want to figure out how we can serve potentially together to increase the exponential awareness and trans- transformation and growth or whatever. So that's the less impressed, more involved piece. And um, I just, you know, great. I love that quote, by the way. Yeah, yeah. The Houston commencement address. Have you heard it? The yeah. Houston commencement address. It's at oh. the Thirteen Truths. So so good. Yeah, unbelievable. You I have. It? I don't want to say I have. I don't. Uh, yeah, yeah. This yeah. is this is the speech, printed out. No joke. You have the whole thing printed. Yeah, look at it, and it's highlighted. It's awesome. <laughs> it's highlighted. That's uh, Ian. That speech is one of the greats. Yeah. It's, it's excellent. I've listened to put it, it. No exaggeration, no ego. I've listened to it a dozen times at least. At least. And honestly, I don't want to go as far as to say I have it memorized. But like I could quote a lot of it. And I'm just, yeah, it's, it's the real deal. So if anyone's listening, definitely check that speech out on YouTube. Um, Matthew McConaughey is a deep guy. Also, his book is fire. I couldn't put it down. Um, Dude, his book, yes. Green Lights, Green Lights yep. I couldn't put it down. So yep. in our- in I only our read book, it once. In, our, um, in the Mental Purpose community, our Facebook community, our book club, we're reading that together now. And we're, um, I'd love to have you That's join right. us. That's right. I man. saw that on your Instagram. Yep. I'd love to have you join us because yeah. uh, your insight, it's every Monday at 10 a.m. East Coast time. Your insight is like, you, you could teach so much. You could, you could open up uh, uh, new possibilities and ways of thinking that maybe I'm not even thinking about. You know, like everybody's got their own little cool thing to add. That book is one of the best. I'm telling you, one of the yeah. best, one of the best. Yeah. He's very, very dialed into being very, yeah. Um, send me the info on that, the book club stuff. We'll do. But thank you so much for the kind words. Thank you so yeah. much for the conversation and conversations change lives, man. This was fire. This is absolutely fire. And again, men on purpose. We are a couple of men on purpose. And I, yep. I do appreciate what you said because I do feel, I do feel like I try hard to 
be more involved, more interested mm-hmm. than interesting, more involved than, than impressive. Um, sure. But, and the, the, the takeaway there is that it's more fulfilling. That's how you get better. Sure. It's how you get better. Like, like trying to impress everybody is a losing game. Genuinely um, doing amazing things in the world is, is a winning game. So uh, that's the last thing I would say to everybody is like, life is about choices and the choices that you set. And the, the choices are, are simple, but they change everything. Yep. The choice of what yep. to say and what not to say in the moment you know I'm saying I love you in the moment, right? Yep. Choose, yep. Choosing what to think and how you think. And what you think, choosing the people in your life, your friends, your family, your clients, your mentors, your mentees, your, your colleagues, everyone in your life is either feeding you or bleeding you. That's a choice. If you're staying in that relationship, that's toxic. That's your choice. And that's your responsibility. Hundred percent. You know what you believe all behavior is belief driven. If you believe that you suck, then, then you're going to think and feel that way. But if you believe you're capable of more, then you're going to find opportunities to do and be more. So, so everything is, no one's going to come save you. It's the choices you're making. It's the choices you're making. And, and yes, bad things happen. Bad things have happened to me. You know, I've been abused, blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, it's, it's what you do with it. It's the choices you make. And that's, that's tried and true, no matter what. Um, that's the one thing I know for sure is that life is about choices. And if this podcast episode increased your awareness of yourself or your awareness of the world, or now you have a responsibility to make new choices and that's, that's all I've got to it, man. Every single moment, the choice is yours. That choice is totally yours and you can blame or make a choice. Like your call. Either way, it's a choice. Either way, it's on you. Either way, you'll die eventually. That's the truth. Nice and easy. Like just <laughs> nice and easy, cut and dry. All right, audience. Thank you for listening. Make sure you check out our community page on Facebook, our community group on Facebook, The Man on Purpose Community. Uh, check out Alan Lazaros. And, oh my God, I forgot your partner's name. Kevin. Kevin. On Next Level Kevin University. Palmieri. Kevin Palmieri. That's right. Uh, check these guys out. Next Level University. The podcast is fire. It's absolutely awesome. We'll catch you on the next one.